Good Monday morning and welcome to a new week on the podcast, to a week we're devoting to the theme of knowing and following God's will. Uh, Today we look at the key to it all. Without this key in place, following God's will will be, well, it'll be impossible, quite frankly. And uh, then on Wednesday, we're going to look at an example of how one man proceeded with confidence in a very real-life decision that he had to make, knowing that he was following God's will. He knew it. It's a great story, and that's on Wednesday in APJ 1808. And then we'll end this week hearing from a super busy Christian man. How does he prioritize his life when he cannot get everything done? That's on Friday in APJ 1809. So we start the week talking about the key to knowing and following God's will. We'll get there, and we'll get there through a Bible question from a listener named Kyle. Hello, Pastor John. In Colossians 1.9, Paul uses the terms knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Do these terms each have a different meaning? How do these three words relate to each other in the context of that passage in Colossians 1.9? Pastor John, what would you say to Kyle? Yes, I think they do have different meanings, and I think there's a practical usefulness Hmm. in trying to understand the differences. But it's good to keep in mind, I step back and just let myself think about the difficulties of handling words like this, and I think that the way the human mind works and the way language works, it would be a mistake to think that Words like knowledge or knowing, wisdom, understanding are so precise that they don't overlap with each other. They do overlap. The borders between words like knowledge and wisdom and understanding are not like walls, not like fences that are real nice and clear and precise with one field on one side, one field on the other. They're more like Uh, the space where the fresh water of a river flows into the salt sea. (laughs) And and you you can't draw a line between fresh water and salt water, but everybody knows there's a huge difference between fresh water and salt water. Words that uh, refer to processes of knowing and words that refer to processes of feeling are inevitably more flexible and more imprecise then words that refer to objects like dog or daffodil or peach. Acts of knowing and feeling are not like a dog or a daffodil or a peach. You can't see them. You can't touch them. You can't hear them. You can't smell them. You can't draw them. How would you draw wisdom? How would you draw understanding? You can't can't point to them with your finger. They're a peculiar kind of reality And so when language tries to capture them or give expression to that peculiar kind of reality, we have to leave room for some overlap in meaning. So that's a preface to how difficult it is sometimes to do what Kyle is is asking me to do. Colossians 1.9 says, From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge, so that's the first word, the knowledge, epignosine in Greek, of his will in all spiritual wisdom, second word, Sophia, and understanding, sunesis, sometimes translated insight. So three words, knowledge, wisdom, 
insight so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in, and then he returns to the knowledge of God. Same word, epignosis. So Paul uh, starts by praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, and he ends that prayer by praying that they would go on increasing in the knowledge of God himself. And I think in Paul's mind, knowing God increasingly and knowing God's will increasingly are part of the same experience of knowing. Because to know somebody, when you think about it, to know somebody is to know what they love, know what they hate, know what they desire, know what they will. That's what it means to know them. But to really grasp what Paul means by knowing God, which I think we must do here at the outset, it helps to look at Romans 1.18 to 23, where Paul talks about people who are outside Christ and yet have some kind of knowing of God. It says, by their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse for all the... This is the amazing part. Although they knew God. It's an amazing statement. Hmm. Although they knew God, every human being outside Christ, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So there is a kind of knowing God that is absolutely useless. Indeed, worse than useless. It's, it makes you guilty. It takes away your excuse. This is not... This is not the kind of knowing God or knowing his will that Paul is praying for in Colossians 1.9. That's not what he's praying for. Hmm. So the question is, what's missing? Yeah. What's the difference between the knowing God and knowing his will that he's praying for and the knowing that will only get you damned? What's missing is precisely what Paul is praying for in Acts 1.9, namely, that we would come to know God and know his will in or by spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. The word spiritual modifies both of those nouns, spiritual wisdom, spiritual understanding. And the key word is spiritual, which in Paul's language refers to something that is given by and formed by the Holy Spirits, not just a vague feeling of mysticism or something like that. It's a spirit, a Holy Spirit given, a Holy Spirit shaped wisdom and understanding. So, what needs to happen so that the man of Romans 1 knows God the way Paul is praying for us to know God and his will in Colossians 1 9 is for the Holy Spirit to take away his blindness to the greatness and the beauty and worth of God. And we can watch this happen in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, where Paul says, 
God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the formerly blind man of Romans 1 now sees God as glorious. And a few verses earlier, 3.18, 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul had said in describing this very miracle, this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So this miracle of seeing God for what he really is, is what Paul means in Colossians 1.9 by spiritual insight or spiritual understanding. When the Holy Spirit removes our blindness, we don't just know God as Romans 1 knows God, disapproving, suppressing. We know him as glorious, as infinitely valuable, as worthy of all our allegiance and trust and love. This is spiritual understanding, to know him like that. Now stir in the word wisdom, and specifically spiritual wisdom from Colossians 1.9. So let's go back to Romans 1, because Paul does just that. He stirs in the word wisdom. He's been describing uh, the unbelieving person as knowing God and yet suppressing that knowledge and failing to thank God and glorify him. And now he describes this same failure in terms of foolishness and pretended wisdom. He says, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise, they became fools, and then they do something which tells you what wisdom is all about. They exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man. So in Paul's mind, wisdom and foolishness relate not merely to whether we see things clearly, but whether we make choices or experience preferences which fit reality. If the darkened heart is not illumined by spiritual understanding, then the heart will act foolishly and make the absurd exchange of Romans one twenty three, trading away God for something he made. That's foolish. That's crazy. And that's what uh, the lack of wisdom does. Spiritual wisdom would never do that. Spirit-given understanding of the true worth of God leads to spirit-given wisdom in not making absurd choices that involve treating other things as more valuable than God. So, in answer to Kyle's question, uh, one way to describe the difference between spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding is that spiritual understanding is the work of the Spirit enabling us to see reality, particularly God and His ways, His will, 
for what they really are, namely great and beautiful and valuable and wise, while spiritual wisdom is the effect of that spiritual understanding upon the way we evaluate things and the way we experience preferences in our preferring heart and the way we make choices that accord with or not are in harmony with or not reality and not the result of our former blindness. So when Paul prays in Colossians 1, 9, that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual or by all spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding, he's asking God to pour out his Holy Spirit upon us and that more and more the Spirit would remove our blindness and the dimness of our ability to see God for who he really is. And then, as a fruit of that spiritual understanding, we would have spiritual wisdom that experiences preferences and makes choices that are in harmony with reality. And then, when those two are operating the way they should, we will be filled with a knowledge of God's will for our daily lives. So good. And speaking of these two things operating in the way they should, we're going to look at a very specific example of how this works next time on Wednesday. So thank you for joining us today. You can ask a question of your own, search our growing archive, or subscribe to the podcast all at desiringgod.org forward slash John. So how do we make confident life choices that accord to God's will? We're going to take today's principles and see them work out in practice next time. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. We'll see you back here on Wednesday. Thanks for listening.